this person I was talking to said, you know what? If I see one more industry 4.0 slide, I'm going to throw up. I'm done going to conferences. I'm ready to, I'm ready to move forward. How do I do it? Right. And, and so, you know, my answer was, well, you need to, you need to provide a prescriptive approach to tackling this. And it's got to be coupled with business justification with this is what we're trying to do. But obviously you've got to identify the top workloads, the top use cases, the specific things that you think that you can enable, that your strategy can enable. And then you've got to figure out how to as quickly as humanly possible, go do them. Now, not every customer has those politics, but you know, in my career as a technologist, especially because I come from, before I joined Microsoft, I work for a few different partners. If there's not a sense of urgency in a project, in an effort like this, then my experience is it tends to fail, right? If you're not anxious about moving forward, it's like, eh, let's see, we'll meet in a couple of weeks, see how that goes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Data Binge podcast. I'm your host, Derek Russell. And today's episode is the second segment of a multi-part special series, Triangulating on Industry 4.0. Yes, we're taking it head on and uncovering the shroud of ambiguity. No room for architecture here, not a marketing or sales discussion. We're really focusing on what it means to accelerate human productivity with augmentations from AI, robotics, cloud computing, and mixed reality. Last time on episode 17, we heard from Greg Vigil, Industry Solutions Director for the Manufacturing Vertical at Microsoft. And there were underscores throughout the discussion focusing on what exactly Industry 4.0 is, the business goals that are common across the world's most interesting use cases, partnerships, and how to get started with the digitization journey. That was a very cool episode if you haven't listened to it already. Today, an episode that you'll find just as special and very helpful indeed a conversation with Jeff Bennett. Jeff is an IoT cloud architect out of San Diego, California, on the global black belt team at Microsoft. And you'll learn more about that organization shortly. Jeff's a notable speaker and writer, the most knowledgeable person I've met at the intersection of business and technology in the IoT space, and brings with him over 20 years of experience helping businesses overcome very specific challenges at the core to how they operate. He flexes his geek muscles throughout the talk with some great stories and advice for businesses that are struggling with a plan, adoption, strategies around how to plug and play across their bigger digital initiatives regarding IoT and beyond. And we'll cover things from hybrid compute in the world of industrial manufacturing and how customers have now the option of deciding where to leverage their machine learning models. It, of course, doesn't have to be in their data center anymore or the vendor data center, i.e. the cloud. It could actually be at the shop floor or at the location or asset of interest itself, which is super cool. And we call this the edge. <laughs> we talk about where the rubber meets the road with these complex IoT projects and how to get started, which is one of the toughest things about all of this, the, the how, the who, the when to start. A lot of folks are struggling with this. And we focus on how to stay relevant as a technologist or visionary in the field and discuss some things he's struggled with personally and professionally, and overcome in his career, along with some advice for others with similar experiences 
backgrounds and goals. A fun talk. Great fun talk with Jeff. He's got a phenomenal personality, which you'll see. Uh, great person to listen to. And I'm very happy to share it with all of you. If you haven't done so already, please rate and comment on the episode on Apple Podcasts. It helps me reach a bigger audience and lets me understand how to bring more value to you as a listener. Okay. Now I bring you Jeff Bennett. Jeff Bennett. Yes. Welcome to the show today. Very excited to be here. This yeah. is a big deal for me. I'm going to be honest with you. This is well, this is awesome. We're, <laughs> we've been uh, chatting here for a couple minutes before we, we got on and yeah. I'm looking forward to doing this with you. So yeah. um, I know about you uh, because um, a lot of our customers have interests in industrial IoT yeah. and you are uh, one of the gurus in our area um, for speaking to some of these customers. So I'd love to have a lot of your uh, perspectives today and showcase a lot of the things that you're doing and possibly get inside of your head a little bit about just personal things and, and professional things that you struggle with and would like to uh, get better at so we can kind of totally. learn a little bit more about you. Yeah. So why don't you tell it. us a little bit about your, your background and what you're doing here at Microsoft? You bet. You bet. Well, first of all, thank you for that high praise. I'm going to try to live up to that. Um, so today at Microsoft, I'm part of a group called Global Black Belts. Global, global Black Belts. We're global and we're Black Belts. It's the <laughs> coolest sounding name at Microsoft. It's a great way to, you know, overset expectations with customers. Um, but essentially, we're uh, originally, I think the the group was um, kind of an incubation group for uh, newer technologies coming out of Microsoft Azure. Today, we're um, sort of a, a, a connection point between our field sales organization and engineering. And we're what I like to refer to as micro specialists. So we, we specialize on pretty specific technologies. So the team that I'm on, we specialize on obviously all of Microsoft Azure's IOT capabilities. And so I am a, uh, what we refer to it at Microsoft as a TSP technical sales professional which has a lot of meaning internally and almost none externally. I I describe myself variably to customers as a as a sales engineer, as an IoT architect, um, uh, any number of titles. But essentially, I think of myself as a sales engineer. I'm there to help customers understand Microsoft's vision in IoT, um, how they can work with us. And the best part of my job is getting hands-on with customers and helping them build proof of concepts, pilots, and, and even get going into production projects. Um, I like being hands-on. So that's, that's what I do at Microsoft today. So you're like a, a, a hired mercenary oh, for, I, for, I for like building that. some of these things for our customers. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like 10% cooler than when I started yeah, this, yeah, yeah. That's, this podcast. That's very cool. Um, so what kind of things are you working on mm. today? Like, like what, what, like, you know, you spoke at an industry of things conference in yeah. San Diego a couple of weeks ago yeah. and, uh, you had a pretty great talk there oh, and, you. uh, I, I showed up on the Friday, it was a Thursday, Friday event yeah. and I was kind of working the Microsoft booth and all these folks were coming up to me and saying, Hey, who's this guy, Jeff Bennett? He had this awesome talk and he, you know, where is he? Where can I find him? 
I'm like, well, he's not here. <laughs> so I then I gave I gave he's him, out. I gave him your personal address and your cell phone number, <laughs> and then. Uh, <laughs> but you know, these folks were coming and they really loved what you had to say. So mm. it'd be great if you could talk a little bit about maybe a snippet of what you shared that day, sure. and maybe talk a little bit about what kind of projects you're working on. And sure, yeah the the, the you know the focus of that particular conference, as you were saying, was was largely industrial and manufacturing. <clears throat> and that's a that's a space that Microsoft plays very strongly in. And and there's a heritage, kind of interestingly, to what Microsoft has done. And you'll go into manu- shop, manufacturing shop floors, for example, and they've got Microsoft tech that goes back literally decades. Um, so we've had a role in that space for a long time. Um, but today, especially focused on our Azure capabilities, um, we're working with all different kinds of, of of customers, focused on how they can they can transform their manufacturing business, and of course, in industrial settings, how they can do things they just couldn't do before. Um, so, what what I try to do in those conversations with with uh, you know a broader audience is try to give people a sense of Microsoft's vision. So we're Where's Microsoft trying to go? Um, talk about some specific capabilities and probably most importantly, tell some stories. Um, and I always like to tell stories that I've had some involvement in. Um, it, it, it knows me how far I can, can actually stretch the story and the size of the fish. Um, but, uh, you know, I, for example, I told a story about, um, the work that we've done with uh, XTO, which is a division of, um, oh, geez, Exxon, sorry. And um, what they are doing is they're leveraging our um, IoT Edge capability, which is a gateway-based software stack, which enables really interesting edge computing capabilities. And they're placing that on gateways that they then uh, have an installer drive out in the middle of Texas and install at, at oil derricks and, and different facilities. And then they control what compute those gateway, gateways are doing from the cloud. So that's, that's a low-level example. At a high level, what that's really about is how important hybrid computing is when you talk about what manufacturers, especially large manufacturers, have to do. So you know, when you look at manufacturing today, as an, for example, companies are doing that globally, and they're struggling with the ability to um, manage the complexity that's inherent in delivering global solutions, uh, especially when you look at large enterprise businesses that are doing that uh, across pretty autonomous business units that want to develop their own approach, but uh, the, the central business knows that they've got to, um, standardize to some degree and being able for organizations to determine where compute actually occurs, right? So does it occur in my shop floor? Does it occur in my data center? Does it occur in the cloud? And, and Microsoft's answer is it should occur in, yeah, all, all of that. Right. So uh, kind of maybe coming back to your question, um, the challenge in IoT is understanding what's possible and what, for example, a company like Microsoft is trying to enable at a high level 
But then knowing that you very quickly have to get down to the lower level implementation details and sort of understand everything in between. Um, they're, they're challenging projects, both for customers, both for, for Microsoft, um, and especially in, in industrial and manufacturing, you don't find many one-stop shops where a customer can, can go, hey, I need to do a, a global manufacturing uh, intelligence solution. Let me go find that one vendor who can do everything from machine to predictive analytics and everything in between. It has to be a SaaS application. We have to have boots on the ground right. in the facility drilling into the equipment and installing these yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. and so how do you uh, how do you message that right how do you message that in an hour to a broad audience that's there to talk about um, things like industrial connectivity and analytics how do you message that when you sit down with uh, organizations that are already hip deep in their own evaluations of different technologies it's it's challenging and um but it's also one of the fun parts of what of what we do, and and right, and it's not just obviously in this space. It's in every part of technology today. It's like really trying to help customers understand both what's possible, understand their business well enough that you can provide some credible input, and then help them get started. And that's the to me, at least in in the business that we're in, so much about what we're trying to do. And you're, you kind of address this a little bit with this entire concept of how are you addressing uh, the journey to technological change and what that means. And we have these customers who are looking for that one-stop shop. Yeah. And I, I've certainly um, been on some different workflows with some of, some of the folks from your team trying to figure out how to understand some of the business challenges. And some of the, the customers said, well... You know, we have equipment and it's X million dollars a year and it was supposed to last for 20 years and it right. lasted for two years. Right. And this is not good because we're not main maintaining this equipment right. We have all yeah. these disparate facilities and someone is messing this up and we need to figure out how we can do the work for the people who are supposed to be maintaining this equipment. And now that you have this massive challenge and frankly, you go into one of these facilities and it's there's like coal right. on the ground. Right. And you know, people are wearing hard hats and there's no technology anywhere. There's no Wi-Fi connection. Yeah. So I totally understand like why it's so complicated. Yeah. How should they be looking at how to embrace this technological mm. change? Like mm. what are some what are some components, some mindsets they should be adopting that you think yeah. that, that works? Yeah. Well and and I'll I'll speak to maybe the challenge first. What I find in, in what you're describing, right, the challenge that, that sits before customers trying to do these kinds of things, it's a little bit like, um, you know, chewing gum and tapping your head at the, at the same time and spinning pl three plates. You have to do a bunch of things well simultaneously. And you have to do them at different layers of abstraction, by which I mean you have to think about your business all up, um, which of course most organizations do, certainly at, at an executive level, but it also requires you to couple your business vision with what's technically possible. And bridging the gap between those two, that's really hard, right? And, and you know, one of the challenges there is that businesses have gotten into the habit of 
having and it and it it's natural, but having some distrust with vendors, right? So they want you to come in and prove that you can solve specific problems before they really want to have that visionary conversation with you. The and that's the that's POC. Normal. The POC, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. And that's normal. And then of course, at a lower level, meaning a technical level, you've got uh, typically customers have to start doing some things they've never done before. Maybe it's connecting machines in a way that they haven't before or taking on new technical challenges, especially when you start talking about cutting edge tech like AI or predictive analytics or any of the number of things where Microsoft and other hyperscale cloud providers are, are really providing some cool tools that customers are, are anxious to get to. So to your question, what, what I like to, when I'm in the, in the position with a customer to, to make this point, what I would argue to them at a high level is they have to both consider the vision and the low level next steps simultaneously. And those, those two efforts need to really coalesce and be, be part of the same. And if they can, if they can find the trust in us and, and it's great when we've already established that relationship with customers, it can be more challenging when we haven't, um, is to figure out, all right, let's talk about, um, an overarching vision of where you're headed and maybe it involves things that you know you want to do and maybe it involves things that you've never even considered. And then to your point, let's find those initial proof points where we can attack them quickly. We can fail fast if appropriate and begin to prove that that, that larger vision is necessary. But the interesting part to me is it really requires both being very logical, right? Which is, which is comfortable for most of us in business, right? Where we tend to be left brain thinkers. Let's create a project plan. Let's yeah, list yeah. out our tasks, right? But you also need to be right-brained about it too. You need to think creatively. You need to you need to think about a future that doesn't yet exist. And that is the really interesting part, for me at least, in IoT, because it's one of those areas where um, because of the kinds of changes that you're talking about making, whether it's to the business or just technically to implement those changes, they require you to envision and move towards a future that you've never, that that's never existed before for you. And it's like being, you know, the way I relate to it is I think about all the, the times in my life where I've had change in front of me, right? Just personal change, right? Whatever it is, a new job, a new career. And I look back and I realized the number of things I, I didn't know that I didn't know. Right. And it's, Learning those things, learning that you don't know something and then learning, oh, okay, now I've got to go learn to do this. And it's, it's a hard process. And, and some of those things may have, if you would have known those things, it would have possibly changed your decision for the better. That's right. For the worse. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I can think of a couple examples personally for myself. <laughs> um, yeah, we all. So, I, so I, you sent me this, this blog post uh, that you put up, uh, was it Aruba? Right. Yeah. I'm going to be speaking at uh, HPE Aruba's conference. And so Aruba is um, obviously a big partner of ours. We're, we're actually sitting in a room where there's uh, certainly an Aruba 
a wireless node somewhere. Listening uh, in. Listening in. <laughs> yeah. Or providing Wi-Fi <laughs> yeah. or both. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so it's a, it's a, I'll be doing a session in Vegas at, at this Atmosphere Conference, which is a great conference, talking about both how HPE Aruba and Microsoft are partnering in the IoT space and what Microsoft is, is doing. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a conference primarily with people that are uh, either customers or partners of Aruba. And this is a space that Aruba has been involved in. I should say IOT is a space that Aruba has been in for some time, but what's driving IOT projects is not IOT. Mm-hmm. It's business transformation, mm-hmm. right? It's, I want to understand my business better. And I'm going to do that because I'm going to connect my $5 million manufacturing machines and look at the data real time and analyze it using AI. Uh, it's not, I just really like data and I just want to collect it and, and swim in the bath with it. You know? Well, this is what, and this is what I love about the, the, uh, the blog that you sent me and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes as well as the details around your talk next week. But you mentioned that, uh, Data isn't interesting. Yeah, um, knowing is interesting, and you're abs- I mean, you're out. You couldn't be more right about that. Yeah, and I was just thinking. In you know, the the title of the podcast is the Data Binge Podcast, so we're always talking about things that aren't interesting <laughs> at all at all times. But it, you know, this this idea of of knowing and this idea of yeah. I mean, how many? I mean, just on a personal level, nothing makes me happier than signing, signing into fidelity.com or whatever and seeing like business intelligence charts, pie graphs, right. trending forecasts, you know, yeah. how broke I'm going to be in the next 20 years, yeah. whatever, whatever it's going to be, you know, how my car is performing, <laughs> right. gauges, like we all want to know all that information because yeah. it's fun to know. Yeah. But then it's super important if you have a business that you're running. Yeah. Yeah. And understanding. So are you, so what's, why are, are people wanting to know more? Yeah, yeah. It's such a great question. And you know, what's funny about it is data, the word data has become an abstraction for, for knowing, for knowledge. Um, one of my favorite movies, I'm sure you've seen it, is Moneyball. Um, you know, leveraging hardcore statistics and I think it was um, the language R that they leveraged to take all of this data that, you know, and obviously baseball is such a data-driven game and develop insights out of it that literally were able to enable them to feel the team leveraging a significantly lower budget than, say, the big players, mm-hmm. right? That's just the plot of the movie. And um, that's that's really fascinating stuff. And I think, I think we are all... Um, familiar with at least some of those stories, right? Where people are using large, not even necessarily even large amounts of data, but perhaps those are some of the more interesting stories. But being able to develop from, you know, collections of information, insights that nobody thought they could. And that's that's really interesting. And so when I think about the different companies I've I'm working with or have worked with in the IOT space, it's always about understanding. It's always about, I want to understand my business closer to the present 
or out into the future. Because I understand it reasonably well a month ago because I've got reports that are a month old and they've filtered through you know, five data analyst teams and then went through my CFO. And finally, I got a report and I understand my business really well, but a month ago, yeah. I want to understand my business now or So you can make better decisions, whether yeah. it be mergers and acquisitions, whether it be big investments that are coming your way, people you're hiring. Anything. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Big time. And so, you know, like for example, in manufacturing, um, the things that are at play, to your point, are things like improving product quality, reducing downtime, um, creating more, creating uh, better operational efficiencies. Those are real dollars for for businesses, um, and especially for larger global manufacturing organizations. It's pretty amazing what's possible. Now, again, you get back to the challenge of. How do I, as an organization, recognize everything that I need to do to get to that utopian place or that better place? And how do I begin to execute to it? And the larger your organization is, obviously, it's it's harder to sort of change the direction of the ship and um, you know really enable really enable that change. But it begins with collecting large amounts of data, and if you look at for example, what Microsoft is doing, say, we're making it as easy as possible for customers to start collecting data with our big data tools. And the, you know, the point is, hey, and and this is the, I think the message that you see across uh, our industry is don't worry about the value of the data you're collecting, just collect it, right? You can come back later and figure out whether it's valuable yeah, or not. Yeah. yeah. And I like how you you mentioned uh, connecting this business vision with these low level next steps. Yeah, and uh, just based upon folks that have been inquiring about what they could be doing around IoT, just just generally, if you could have like an answer, if it, you could have fifteen minutes with someone that's just really. I mean, there's folks that have been approaching us that are like, "Look, if I don't have a solution, I'm gonna get. Yeah. I don't think there's a place for me." Right. on the team. Yeah. And all of a sudden there's a lot of fear and anxiety and people are really trying to do something and there's a lot of uh failing fast and a lot of failing forward. Yeah. But if you could spend, you know, an hour, 20 minutes to an hour with someone who had these kinds of concerns. Yeah. You know, how how would you communicate how they approach this new reality? Yeah. You know, it's funny is I just had that conversation today with a, with a customer this morning. For, for sure you did. <laughs> and you'll it's probably have one day. on Monday. No, <laughs> no, no. It's not every day. Um, I, and and I, I, will, I will leave out key identifying details, uh, obviously. But this was with, um, an, uh, with uh, an, uh, an IT stakeholder in a large global manufacturing company. Um, and so when I say global, literally, they have manufacturing plants around the world. And they're also a very, very large company. And their challenge is, and this is typical in in large organizations, um, it's not completely centralized, right? So each region, each plant in some cases is its own fiefdom, right? So you've got a business owner 
that's making decisions, not just about where the, where the business goes, but about what technology gets leveraged. So they're in the middle of trying to build this global manufacturing intelligence strategy. And they're, they've got, uh, probably six or seven different proof of concepts going with different vendors because each little fiefdom wants to do its own thing. And there's, there's politics and, and there's politics yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and, and so it is kind of pulling their head out and trying to figure out, okay, I know I've got to deliver this as a service, right? I can't dictate. I, I just politically, I understand. I can't dictate change to every business unit and how that looks. And so I've got to provide both flexibility and some degree of autonomy at the same time that I'm enabling an overarching strategy. And I've got to do it quickly enough so that I can begin to prove internally because of politics that I can deliver to this. Um, it's a challenging mix. So, you know, my counsel, and, and, and by the way, it's not perfect, but goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You've got to have a strong um, high-level strategy. And so that, and and I like to speak practically, right? At some point, you know, there's you've showed the customer enough PowerPoint slides and they've gone, the, I, I, this, uh, this, this person I was talking to said, you know what, if I see one more industry 4.0 slide, I'm going to throw up. I'm done going to conferences. I'm ready to, I'm ready to move forward. How do I do yep. it? Right. And, and so, you know, my answer was, well, you need to, you need to provide a prescriptive approach to tackling this. And it's got to be coupled with business justification with, this is what we're trying to do. But obviously you've got to identify the top workloads, the top use cases, the specific things that you think that you can enable, that your strategy can enable, and then you've got to figure out how to, as quickly as humanly possible, go do them. Now, not every customer has those politics, but you know, in my career as a technologist, especially because I come from, before I joined Microsoft, I worked for a few different partners, if there's not a sense of urgency in a project, in an effort like this, then my experience is it tends to fail, right? If you're not anxious about moving forward, it's like, eh, let's see, we'll meet in a couple of weeks, see how that goes. No one's, in, it's not exciting to work on a two-year project. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and, you know, attention spans and all of that being what they are, mm -hmm. right, you're not going to to develop the momentum that, gets these kinds of big change going. And, you know, the reality is, is we spend so much time talking about, and not just Microsoft, but everybody in the business, we talk about our competition, right? You know, and, and we're, we're, as we all know, in a bit of an, a, a technical arms race with some of our big competitors. But the reality is the biggest competitor that we have to these kinds of projects is doing nothing at all, right? It's easier, you know, you were talking about going in, talking to customers in a manufacturing and industrial setting. They're in, they're back in the dark ages, right? It feels like 1999, you know, there's probably, um, you know, a hootie and the blowfish 
poster yeah. up in the wall, right? Or Nothing's tool. changed. Or, or a tool, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Or tool, yeah. <laughs> they're they're doing things on paper or Excel. And not that we don't appreciate the Excel business, but if you're gonna if you're really gonna move the deedle, and 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 I'm I'm sure you could say this about any number of technology uh, uh, spaces, not just IoT, obviously. You're really going to have to thread that needle of um, moving things at a high level and a low level simultaneously. And then, you know, one of the things that we were talking about earlier is the importance of communication. And I go back and think about, like, what does it take to change an organization? And it's easy, especially for us nerds, to forget that socialization and evangelism and giving people the time to digest things, you know, knowing that you don't just present an idea and everybody in the room goes, that's brilliant. Let's do that tomorrow. Advocacy and leadership and education. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you do, how do you enable those things? Those are blockers to our customers change and they're blockers to, to our business. And so we've got to, uh, we've got a partner with customers to to figure those things out, but I I think that that's ultimately at least part of the answer to your question of how uh, of how companies take these big things on. And what I often see, and what I don't think is very effective, is sometimes there's a comfort in let's just start somewhere, right? And not to say that's not worth doing, but if you if you start too low level. And that's your focus, and you just pick whatever seems the easiest technology to go with. You're rarely successful, it, certainly in the ways that you probably want to to be as an organization, right? So you've solved one niche problem, but by the time you solve it, it may not be as big of a challenge as it was when when you began the project. So it's not easy, but that's I think part of the approach that you really have to take to to do these kinds of things. I, I really appreciate that answer because you're you're, spe- you're again you're speaking from from a project-based perspective, business yeah. perspective and it's starting to make sense but you're also bringing in this entire monolith of what the business is trying to do and aligning that with I love that continue continuously going back to the business vision and, and anchoring there. Yeah. I mean, you can, for some of our customers where we were not at that level or we're trying to help them realize their business vision, we're coming and, you know, I've studied the, the annual reports and have been essentially interviewing people and understanding what's important to them. And you're over here trying to chase uh, revenues or you're trying to tr- chase ROI. And then you figure out, well, safety is really the yeah. most important thing for them. Right. They're a, a global leader in safety. So maybe we should start looking at how to protect their workers. Yeah. And there's all these other different milestones and capabilities that people won't even look at unless it is speaking to these specific metrics or yeah. these specific cultures or passions about the business. Yeah. And I think that's incredibly important. Yeah. Um, well, so, and by the way, I was just going to say, I love that point. And, I'll tell you, you know, when I work with people in my business, I'll just say it that way, and I work with people like you that take the time to research the companies they're working with and to ask those kinds of questions and to be curious and ask hard questions and challenge a little bit. I love it because 
not only are you are you helping yourself, I guess, but you're providing real value, right? You're you're, you're providing another pair of eyes to their business in a way that is going to provide the most value as opposed to someone who just sits there and goes, you know, tell me what you want and I've got my order pad and I'm going to make sure you get it. Like that to me has yeah. just never been interesting. Yeah. It's, it, it's, and for me personally, I'm always thinking about, I approach businesses or customers like they're a best friend yeah. coming to me for advice I'm married now, so I get a lot of my single buddies <laughs> calling me for the, uh, you know, the uh, the dating advice, and yeah. I'm, I'm and most of the time it's like you think about what's important to them and what they're trying to accomplish, right? And what's the best for them. It's not always super easy to do. Yeah, I glean these several pieces of um, industry knowledge from your the blog you provided. So you mentioned because we we can't do this without. Uh, coming hard with some some fat statistics. So, um, so uh, a quick statistic on Bain: uh, industrial IoT industry hitting two hundred billion dollars by two thousand twenty one. You believe it? Massive. Yeah. Um, and another one by Gartner: uh, eighty billion connected devices by two thousand twenty five. Yeah. That's that's like ten connected devices per person on the planet today. It's nuts. What kind of skills? So now we're we're thinking about people uh, empowerment, and obviously, like you've worked at Nadesic and Avanade and a couple different places. Yeah. Microsoft partners. You've probably been in technology for a long time. Yeah. When you're thinking about how customers should be making partnerships with with people, what skills should they be looking for? And then when they're building their own teams, uh, certainly they're wanting to hire people for some of these different things and this new future of the connected reality. Like, how should they be hiring folks? Where do you think people should spend their time educationally? Do you, what works for you? Maybe, is there like a, a a center of where all this is pulling to? That's a great question. Um, it depends upon what what role you're talking about, but I think you're right. I I, I I think it is pulling to a center. What I see happening, at least on a technical level, we'll start there because that's the area that I'm, I'm most comfortable with is, and it's part of where Microsoft is trying to take IoT, is to remove the amount of hardcore embedded development that's required in uh, leveraging smaller IoT devices. And, you know, that goes with Microsoft's larger strategy of just democratizing technology and software. Um, so the more that we can enable customers to be able to put end-to-end solutions together, the, the more that we accelerate their business and the, the, the kind of change that they're wanting to do. So I, I know for myself as a technologist, I tend not to deep dive a, a limited number of technologies anymore. I really try and it's, you know, there's just not enough hours in the day, but I really try to um, understand all the big building blocks. And of course my context is IOT. So what are the big building blocks of IOT? Well, they are device and machines, their connectivity, their edge processing, their, the, downstream workloads that you typically see in the cloud. So things like real time and predictive analytics. So that obviously includes some machine learning, uh, data visualization, managing portfolios of devices. 
So if you're if you're an organization or you're somebody that's looking to build uh, the knowledge of of putting those solutions together, that's the layer of things that you want to uh, understand at at least a two or three hundred level, right? And uh, you know, especially for companies that are looking to to develop roll out and actually administer a large scale IOT solution, either you need to bring those folks in or you need to augment through uh, partners. And, and, and one of the, one of the things that I, I, I don't know how I'm the first one who, who said this, I'd like to put TM behind it, but today, and this is sure to change in the future, but today IOT is a, a place of unholy alliances, meaning like I was saying earlier, you can't just go to one vendor and they've got everything. Um, when I work with customers today on IoT solutions, it requires that I work with other companies to fill in the gaps of what they might need. And what Microsoft is trying to do in terms of making IoT easier for our customers is to enable you to focus your technical development talent on the the more unique aspects of your business so that rather than you know working on plumbing right the stuff that infrastructure infrastructure yeah. and yeah and 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 I have worked with plenty of customers that decide they you know they get a CIO that wants to build their own IoT data ingestion layer and I'm like why would you why would you want to do that? Or they very, and, and this is a more reasonable approach. They might say, well, we'd like to do that with open source tech versus using your more sticky pass services. And which, which is absolutely a fine approach. But again, it goes back to where do you want to leverage the resources of your business? Yeah. Right. And, and you can say that both as a business and as an individual. So if I'm talking to a developer and they're saying, I really want to double down on my C knowledge so I can do embedded software development, you know, my answer is, hey, if you love working with small devices and writing low-level C or C++ code, more power to you. But is that a place that's going to take you through a 10 or 20 or 30-year career in software? Mm -hmm. And for a business – I mean, my answer there is if you can stay away from it, unless it's not a core part of your business, find another way of doing that. And Microsoft is beginning to to provide some pretty strong answers there. And then I think, you know, just finishing up the answer to your question, from a business perspective, the, the challenge in IoT is pairing um, industry knowledge with the experience of doing a real production IoT solution. And sometimes you're just not going to find that, right? Or as an individual, you're just going to have to build that experience on one side or the other, right? Maybe you've done IoT projects, you just haven't done it in healthcare, or you haven't done it in industrial. And on the other hand, you know, maybe you're spent 20 years in oil and gas, but you're new to these technologies that would be leveraged in an IoT solution. So you just have to build that knowledge. Um, you know, Microsoft's approach has been, and has a, as it always is, is very partner-based. And augmenting 
the areas that, you know, perhaps you'd rather just focus on later with technologies from other partners, but it's figuring out how to couple all those things together. That's the real challenge. I like how you, you focused specifically on the proprietary functions of the business, because that's, you know, we're talking about that all the time. We're, we're encouraging customers. Obviously there's some financial incentive um, on Microsoft's side from having them uh, get out of the data center building business. But, that's kind of our job and what we do and we do that very well. So we're encouraging whether you be a, a global uh, law office or um, a developer or builder, or uh, you have a, an application service and you're dropping people off at the airport, it, whatever you're doing, yeah. what kind of business you're doing, yeah. you should be focusing on that business and not focusing on developing SaaS modules that help you with your machine learning right. capabilities because right you know, AWS is doing that. Salesforce is doing that. We're doing that. Right. Um, no, I, I definitely understand that. Yeah. Um, so just to focus back on you a little bit. Mm. So you, you, again, you've, you've worked at other partners, which is, which is interesting. So you've been doing the, the mercenary life for a little while, right? Yeah. Um, is there anything that you, that is hard for you that you struggle with, um, in terms of, you know, this technology is changing all the time. Right. I mean, literally a month ago, there's been new rollouts of, of different things. I've sat in some different presentations and I didn't even notice or recognize some of the products that were being talked about. It's moving so quickly. Yeah. Um, that's something I'm, I'm kind of challenged with is kind of how am I learning on the fly with everything yeah. that's happening. But for you specifically, you live there. Um, you're kind of having to teeter-totter between this have to understand the 1999 customer right. and I have to understand, you know, the Starbucks that's doing right. super cool stuff in right. Shanghai today, you know, where they installed 200 stores or whatever it is. Like yeah. it's just massive growth with some of these customers and technologies. So wh- what do you, what are you challenged with yeah. and, and what are you looking forward uh, to doing to meet those challenges? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. Cause I think everybody, not even if you're a technologist per se, is facing that right now. Um, I would say to specifically to your question, there's plenty of things that I could talk about, but part of the way that I think about it is there's a set of challenges that I've, I, I feel like I've always faced in my career that have remained the same. And when I was in my, um, when I was just starting out in software development in my early twenties, I, uh, this was during the dot-com boom. That's how old I am. And, uh, I, I worked with the customer where I figured out how to sell, save them a quarter million dollars a month. You know, I'm 23 year old guy and it was, it was, um, it it sounds really cool. And I like, I still like saying a quarter million dollars because even in 2019, that's still a lot of money, money. but it was, it was really about. I had a little bit more of an understanding of technology than they did and what was possible and enough of an understanding of their business that I could bring a f- kind of fresh pair of eyes and see a problem in a different way that they weren't seeing and I could solve technically. And that's that's what I've been doing for 20 years. That's what we're all doing, right? We're trying to stay ahead of the technology curve so that we can understand how to leverage it to solve business problems. Because as I like to tell my mother still, uh, I'm not writing code for the space shuttle, right? I'm solving yeah. business problems. I'm a business person. 
as much as I like to call myself a technologist and, hey, me and Elon Musk and all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's be honest, right? I'm not going to – my code has never impressed um, – you know, any, any, any serious hardcore developer, but, um, certainly the pace of technological development is nuts. And, um, you know, I have, I have a, and, and, and my colleagues in IOT have the luxury of focusing just on Microsoft's IOT capabilities. The way that I try to approach it is, and I think, it's what we all have to do is to understand how those technologies target real business challenges and the danger of becoming too much of a micro specialist in one area or another is that it doesn't let you see the, the full picture, right? So you spend all your time thinking that the forest is a single tree and you have to be able to take a step back and really think about the technological world that we're living in from a abstracted point of view. And if you can do that effectively, you, you enable yourself a competitive advantage just as an individual technologist that plenty of folks don't have. Because what I see too often are technologists that are focused on just one technology, one perspective on the world, and, uh, that, that, and that it's still hard for me mm -hmm. because I, you know, uh, as human beings, most of us, I think have a momentum of, you know, you put the hard work into learning something and I feel like an expert now and I'm going to sort of run with that knowledge and you tend, you tend to lose the hunger of, and maybe the maybe part of it is that you've you've lost the 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 wolf on your heels of feeling like you don't know as much as everybody else in the room but you've got to keep that hunger right you've got to keep that hunger of i really want to understand how these things fit together to solve real business problems and and probably i think a big component it seems like just listening to you and I, when you were talking about I mean, that's great. I think uh, words of wisdom for anybody um, that's feeling that they may be left behind, just having the ability to put in the effort and put a fresh pair of eyes on a system or a process or a group of people that are trying to do something and just be part of that interconnected intellectual fabric of solving that problem. Yeah. And a good way of doing that is essentially socializing, getting together, working as a team, right? Like maybe helping others become educated yeah. um talking and yeah. instead of you know sitting in the basement and trying to spin <laughs> up that c code you know like it, those don't seem like good ways it's to so to, true to elongate your capabilities and yeah uh, knowledge um so well you know one thing that just you made me think of so we were talking a little bit earlier about diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. right just broadly and that is one of the elements, like what you just said. I mean, I, and, 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 you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm perfect at this, but you have something to learn from every human being you meet. Yeah. Right. And it's not just that, that from a moral perspective, we should enable everyone's point of view and their voice. 
it's it's actually that that turns out to be really valuable. It's a competitive advantage. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, you think about how complex life is and the cognitive load that we all have every day just trying to get through the day. You enable that. You, you get better at it by hearing different people's perspectives. And it's hard. I know it is for me, at least, because challenging your perspective and your assumptions and hard-earned beliefs, especially in technology, where we all tend to very quickly, you know, get uh, kind of set in our ways. And, you know, as, a, as, as someone um, who's focused on Microsoft technologies, my instinct tends to be, if a Microsoft technology can't solve your problem, it may not be worth solving, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's not the right it perspective. Can't be solved. It can't be solved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And, and the, but the reality is, is that, um, you know, the best thing about the, comp, the competitors we have is just seeing the things that they're doing and the insights that they're gaining. Um, and so if you, if you just build an, an ethos, which you just described perfectly of, I'm going to enjoy that. I'm going to make myself enjoy the feeling of, I don't know something and I want to learn. And this person across the, the, the table from me has something to teach to me. I just need to find it. You're going to do so much better. And, and we know who those people are in, almost instantly customers, colleagues, competitors. You, yeah. just, you just know who those people are and you yeah. want, you want to drop some knowledge on them. You want to help them out. It's yeah. like weird, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, we're getting towards the end. Wanted to uh, ask you a couple things about sure. what is a, uh, a book that you've given out as a gift or that you've referred out the most? Wow. Oh, that's a great one. Um, well, I'm going to space the title, but one of my, um, my favorite business books is, and, and you'll, you'll, hopefully you'll help me by putting the link, the correct title and link. I, I always mess with the title. Uh, but it's a, it's one that's very popular, uh, with people I know at Microsoft. Um, let's get real or let's not play. I forget the, the exact title of it. Uh, I apologize to the author and the book publisher for mangling the name, <laughs> but you know, the, the, the idea of it is just generally let's figure out how we can have a real conversation. And it's in the context of, you know, vendor customer relationships. Um, it is one of the most impactful business technology books that I can think of because Fundamentally, it argues, let's have real conversations and let's figure out what we can do together before we waste each other's time. And unfortunately, and, 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 you know, it's, it's no doubt because of a lot of bad behavior on the part of many businesses over a long period of time, most customers feel comfortable buying through RFP and RFI and, um, and and not trusting vendors as they come in come in the door and, and of course you have to do that because you've got a million vendors knocking on it but at a certain point you've got to get to a, a level of trust with partnership a, with a you got a yeah. partner yeah absolutely yeah. just as you have to in life right mm -hmm. yeah. at some point you've got to like you know whether it's marriage or a relationship whatever it's whether it's romantic or whatever you got to trust someone enough to go okay here's my real problems Let's hang out. Let's hang yeah. out. Yeah. 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 
I like yeah. that. That's great. Yeah. And then I love this question. Um, if you could be uh, any sci-fi hero Ooh. from a movie, yeah, what would it be? You know, I forget the character's name, but um, the uh, the movie Serenity, I don't know if you've seen that. It was based upon a television series by the guy whose name I can't remember who developed Buffy the Vampire. Uh, so it, you know, you, so if you haven't seen this movie, um, Serenity is the name of the movie. The name of the movie is Serenity. It came out, you know, in the two thousands and, uh, the, the hero or the, the main character, the main lead is, a uh, a veteran of a pretty nasty war in the future. And he's just trying to survive. And he faces this great moral challenge in the movie to protect the the life of uh, two people. And it's, so it's a great story. It also just happens to be written really well, but I just like the fact that, you know, I, I always, I always like antiheroes, you know, I always like the hero that is a real human being with real foibles, conflicted, conflicted, the Darth Vader ish. Yes. Of, yeah. 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 Or, or, or Darth Vader or like, like a Han Solo. Right. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, like Han, Han, you know, like the choice that he has in the first Star Wars movie, either I can take the gold back to Jabba the Hutt and get this death warrant off me, or I can go save my friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I like that. Yeah. I like that yeah. conflict. So, uh, yeah, that character, whatever his name is, uh, played wonderfully by an actor whose name I forget as well. That's that's the value I'm providing you today. I'll, I'll, I'll look that up and put that in. That's my job. Thanks, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. Well, hey, this was super fun. I'm yeah, glad that you thank came you. up and did this. Yeah, this was awesome. What's the best way that folks can get a hold of you? Ooh, that's a great one. Well, I think probably my LinkedIn profile cool. is the easiest just because they can message me and I uh, I look at all those messages. So uh, always always interested to um, have conversations with people, whether it's a potential customer or just somebody who um, is interested in talking tech or IOT. Uh, I love that stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, man. Yeah. Thank you. This was fantastic. Yeah. I hope you have a great Friday. Yeah, you too. All right. All right. See you later. Thanks. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today and having some fun with us in the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow me on LinkedIn or at DRUSS Network, D-R-U-S-S Network on Twitter or Instagram. And you can also reach out to me anytime via email at Derek at TheDataBinge.com. The Data Binge podcast is a personal thought forum where we share knowledge and ideas. Views and opinions expressed here do not reflect those of my employer, Microsoft. I really hope you enjoyed. Thanks a lot.